Welcome to Our Jewish Roots with insightful Bible teaching by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. Today we look at the musical side of David as we continue our series, Warrior King. We are so glad you've joined us today. I am David Hart. I'm Kirsten Hart. I am Jeffrey Seif, and we are taking another look at the Warrior King. And today is all about David's, uh, should I say, softer side. <laughs> he, he wrote poetry, he wrote songs, ones that we still sing today. Yes. Not only do we sing them, you still sing them today. Uh, for the last five or six years, just about every morning, my wife and I wake up and we, we go through a psalm, among other things. We read it and then we ask what's on our heart. It tenderizes us. Does, and it's, it's beautiful because we, when we read through the Psalms, there's highs, there's lows. King David was a warrior king, but he was real too, and he expressed what he was going through. Yes, I think those Psalms say things that we think and feel. We don't necessarily have vocabulary for it, but we hear the psalmist speak and we vicariously enter into that. And we not only hear the psalmist talk about the problems, we hear the faith rise up to get to the solutions. Mm, that's good. That is good. We take you now to our dramatic reenactment in Israel, followed by teaching from Dr. Seif. <sighs> oh, music of the 10 strings. Soothe my troubled soul. Ah, oh, evil spirit, the tune of David hath pursued thee for now. Bible readers are informed that music has been around since the dawn of creation. In the Hebrew book Bereshit, Genesis, in the fourth chapter, readers are informed that one of Cain's progeny, a fellow named Jubal, was the father of those who played the harp. Not only were people into music at the beginning, but even before the beginning of time, according to the Hebrew Bible, music was around. And why do I say that? Well, I don't say that, Ezekiel is speaking of Satan, this inherently evil personality, goes by the Latin epithet Lucifer or light bearer who deceives. And we're told in chapter 28, verse 13, that he, that this personality was in Eden, the garden of God. Paradise is a Latin word for enclosed garden, and there he was, and from there he fell. The reason why I mention that in conjunction with music is to say that 
this same person we're told was, uh, uh, he came into his own in Ezekiel chapter 28, 13. He says, the workmanship of timbrels and pipes was prepared for him on the day that he was created. Hence, you have some correlation between this evil personality and the manufacture and the development of music. But as the old saying goes, why should the devil have all the good music? Enter David. Actually, we see music before David. Miriam, after Moshe Rabbeinu, after Moses, uh, and, and Israel, they make their way through the sea, the waters part, we're told in the book Shemot and Exodus that she comes out with tambourine. We find uh, primitive starbursts of praise accompanied with musical instrumentation. We then, as we make our way through the Hebrew Bible, find that primitive music evolves and becomes more formalized. By the time we get to the book Tehillim or Psalms, the word Psalms comes from the word Psalter. They're cut from the same cloth. It's a prayer book. The Hebrew Tehillim means praises. Actually, it's not one book, it's five. Inasmuch as you have the five books of Moses, you have five books of worship in the Hebrew Bible. And some of these worship songs come with uh, what today are anachronistic, uh, hard to come to terms with, archaic expressions, various forms of musical notations that reflect that in antiquity we had Levitical choirs in the Old Testament economy that were given to giving voice to biblical praise because it was long observed that music enabled individuals to, to rise above their vexing circumstances. Music provide a mechanism to put prayer to, to song with instrumentation. It helps people to pray. It helps people give expression to things they're thinking and they're feeling. It seems that the Lord led David into that world early, and I'm glad that the Lord did. We're all the, the beneficiaries of uh, the, the warrior king's musical proclivity. David loved the Lord and he loved to give voice. There's some 70 Psalms that attest to that. I remember years ago I was paralyzed from the neck down. I'd pick up a dread disease called Guillain-Barre. I couldn't walk. I could barely move a hand, a finger, and someone brought me a CD player and there was a uh, a song in there by Paul Wilbur, I will lift up my eyes unto the Lord. And with my finger, I'd play it and push replay and play it and replay. And why is that? Because at that time, this is the only thing I could lift. And I'd cry and I'd pray and I'd sing. Once I was in a lawsuit as well, pressed against the wall in a world gone bad, uh, dealing with w wicked situations. and. Uh, I, I have to pray the Psalms every morning to tell you the truth, just to get my head above the water. Well, thank God for God. Thank God for David. Thank God for that gift. Different people have been the beneficiary of it. Saul himself, we're told in the text in 1 Samuel chapter 16, he'd get wrapped around the axle. He's very disconcerted and depressed. And David would come and play his music. And you know, it tamed the savage beast. Off we go now to look at David, the, psalm, the psalmist a little closer as we continue with our story on the warrior king and look at David-like leadership for these Goliath-like times. Uh. 
spirit of David. David. Oh, it is he that causes me this anguish. The tune his fingers play hath made me mad. It is he who would take my throne. No! Run, David. Run. If I could only pursue thee, I would. But I fear even more so the Lord who runs with thee. I've seen this on more than one occasion. And what am I talking about? The aftermath of violence. What am I referencing? A crime scene. As a police officer in, a, in another career, I've walked into worlds where they use knives, pistols, shotguns, and they've killed. It's horrible at one level what happens when I think of the, the pent-up energies. People uh, can't control them. The, the, the rage gets the better, and they unleash it on those round about them. And it's not pretty. What they leave in their aftermath is pillage. And so it is, we walk into a world here now, and now I am speaking as a biblical theologian, not as a police officer. We walk into a world here where we experience David, who's the victim of someone's malice. What do I mean by that? Saul is hell-bent on destroying him. He takes a spear and thrusts it at him, and you know, I wonder, David must have thought, why? But it wasn't the first time, mind you. Recall the story when David uh, began his fighting career, if you will. He goes uh, to the battle lines to bring food staples to his brothers, and Goliath shows up, and, you know, David's, what's up with this? You know, someone ought to tell him to shut up. And his brothers say, why don't you shut up, David, and go back to your stupid little sheep? And David says something that he must have thought on many occasions. What did I do? The reason why I say that, surely David, the heroic David, when the world collapses round about him, David must surely have thought, what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? Like Jesus, on more than one occasion, he must have at the feeling level said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? because it sure felt like that, and why is that? Because trusted people round about have forsaken him, to put it mildly. David had to run for his own sake, if you will, and this is interesting for my money, and what's that? David, this guy who's going to go on from Saul, when he's going to look at his career as he's reflecting on it at the very end of it, he's going to prove to be Israel's greatest warrior king. This is a guy who inhabits real estate that has 6,000 square miles, and when he's done, Israel has expanded to 60,000 square miles. This is a winner, not a loser. But what's interesting is that David spent the beginning of his career on the run. This forward-moving king spent 13 years, talk about 13 being an unlucky number, 13 years on the run from Saul for no good reason. 
Now I want you to hear me on this, and there may be some of you that have a Saul in your world, that is to say within your webs of relationships, someone who's not just frustrating, but someone who's detrimental to your health, who's threatening you. And listen, when I'm reading the biblical story, I'm reminded of the fact sometimes you have to put it in reverse. David, who was minded to begin his career by serving Saul, realized he had to get out of Dodge. There may be some within the sound of my voice that you might construe that as wisdom for you. I know there's a song, something tells me I'm in for something good, but when it comes to this domestic violence stuff, when it repeats and goes over and over and over again, something tells me that you're not. And I want to tell you, with a Bible in one hand and a little Jesus in my heart, that sometimes it's time to say goodbye. But for fear of an uncertain future, I've seen people hold on to the very end, leading to their own death, because they didn't know when to, when, when to cut and, and get out of Dodge. And I want you to hear me, please. Uncertain as David's world was when bad things were happening around him, I want you to know that he walked by faith in an uncertain future, and you know what happened? God raised him up to be something that's greater than his wildest imagination at the time when he's dodging these spears. I want you to know the same God is the God of David, the same God is the God for you. And I want you to know the same Lord is the Lord of all, and he bestows his riches upon all who call upon him. I believe that God has a great future for you, and he can even use the difficulties in the present to prepare you for it. Our resource this week, the music CD, Zion Song. During his lifetime, Zola Levitt composed over 200 spirit-filled songs. Now, David and Kirsten Hart, studio host of Zola Levitt Presents, provide fresh interpretations to 11 of Zola's compositions. Enjoy this beautiful music yourself, or share the CD with a friend. Contact us and ask for Zion Song. Join us right now for additional content that is only available on our social media sites, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Visit our website, levitt.com, for the current and past programs, the television schedule, tour information, and our free monthly newsletter, which is full of insightful articles and news commentary. View it online, or we can ship it directly to your mailbox every month. Also on our website is the online store, there, you can order this week's resource, or you can always give us a call at 1-800-WONDERS. Your donations to Our Jewish Roots help us to support these organizations as they bless Israel. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you. When soldiers go off to war, they find themselves in a really lonely place things swirling around them. It is so very precarious. We'll see in a moment how David had peace amidst the turbulence of trying times. As we go off into battle, one of the things that helps me is not just the fact that God is with us, but other people are standing behind us as well. For those warriors in antiquity, someone made the helmets, the spears, they sharpened the sword, they made the arrows. For every soldier in battle, there was a group that helped them to get there and gave them the resources they needed to be successful. 
With that said, as we fight the good fight of the faith our way in looking to bring the good news through the eyes of the Jews, I want to thank you for those that give us the arrows and the helmets and the swords. They sharpen it. Thank you for giving us the resource to get out there in the front lines. And I believe God will bless you for so doing. Thank you for your financial gifts. Those of us who fought with David found it strange that he never feared death. Even in the midst of the battle, his confidence grew. He told us that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about those who fear the Lord. Deliverance, he said, was in the hands of the Lord. Ever calm, ever secure, David's faith remained unflinching. to think I used to be a police officer in the big city, and now I'm coming to you from Israel with all of these sheep. And the reason why I'm doing that is because the hero of our story, David, cut his teeth working like this guy right here, working with these guys right here. And I think it's perhaps for that reason that David was able to make the shift and envision that the Lord is my shepherd, that is, inasmuch as he himself was kindly disposed toward the welfare of those under his charge. He knew that difficulties notwithstanding, God would do similar on his behalf. And it's for that reason in part where in Psalm 34, and I really want you to turn there with me and have a look if you will, please. Sheep can be a little pussy as I'm learning right now. But he says in Psalm 34, in verse four, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from my fears. A moment ago, we considered uh, in the previous segment that, that David was pressed against the turbulence of trying times, but he had a good God who was a good shepherd, and he says, I sought him and he delivered me. He goes on to say, they looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. Our warrior king learned that he could look to God, even crying out from his difficulties, and God could take away the shame and the difficulty and give him a kind of joy. There is a peace of God that passes all understanding, and our warrior king learned about that. He says, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him, and he saved him from all of his troubles whether it's Saul, whether it's Goliath, whether it's his own sins. Uh, our, our hero learned that, that there's a good God who loves him, who was willing and able to save him from all of his troubles, much as a shepherd who is kindly disposed toward these sheep will lead them on successfully. And when the, the enemies come around about snakes, wolves, whatever, that shepherd's gonna take care of them as well. This poor man cried to the Lord and he delivered. And then he says a statement in verse seven that's as true for him as it is for me, as it is for you. And here we go in verse seven. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I believe, by the way, that, that, that we don't just have some philosophical society. I believe that we have a God who is willing and able uh, in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus uh, said, I am the door. Anyone who enters by me will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And the word save in the Greek 
means to deliver, to heal, to make whole. Uh, we have a God who really cares about us. Uh, we have a, a verse in Scripture, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph, said Paul, who had it in a bad way on more than one day. But, but God is good. We're told here as well, well, we're encouraged here in verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or the woman who trusts in him. Our warrior king learned that he could come up from nowhere. He came from obscurity as a young man tending his father's sheep, a dad that didn't respect him much. And then he entered into a world where a surrogate dad, if you will, Saul took him under his charge. And it wasn't just disrespect, it was out and outright hate. David cut his teeth in his trials and he learned there's a good God who watches over his word to perform it. And David's story as he makes his way from the womb to tomb is so telling because in so many ways he's like us. And he's commended his recipe for success in life. You know, there can be uh, families today that come from the old country and there's grandma's recipes and goodness, if we could just learn to cook like that, we would eat well. When in, in much the same way that David's recipes for success in life are left in his own words. He says here, oh, fear the Lord. Now that means revere him, respect him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. That's more than just going to church on Sundays and on weekends if there's something that interests you. A reverence for the Lord pays dividends. Our uh, warrior king learned that. We're considering David-like leadership in Goliath-like times, and we're learning about a God who loves, who saves and redeems. He did it for David. He'll do it for you. Kirsten is a cellist. I have played a little bit of guitar. This right here is an authentic harp that might have been used with David, a big part of his life back in the day, yes? Well, that type, uh, that is a new construction, I should say. The Hararis, our ministry has been involved with them for years, knows them personally, that made that by hand. They wanted to bring back the music of the Bible. Which is beautiful, and uh, we're worship leaders. That's what we do. We've been doing our whole lives, and there's something about singing the words of the Psalms that soothes the soul. To be sure, David was known for that. Uh, Saul had a problem, and, and that was a solution. But love for the stringed instrument goes back to Genesis, by the way, in the fourth chapter, right after Eden. Jubal is noted in verse 23 as the progenitor of those who played on stringed instruments. So there's an appreciation for the music that goes way back to the dawn of recorded history. We were on our tour bus the other day, and our tour guide was telling us that this is the shape of Tiberius, the Sea of Galilee, and it looks a lot like it. It was unbelievable when he said that. Yeah, it's known as Gennariset, one of the names for the Sea of Galilee, and it is uh, really, uh, it comes from the word kinor in Hebrew, which means harp. And not only does the Sea of Galilee look like a harp, but similarly, as the wind blows over it, sometimes you get a harp-like sound, wow. which contributed to the naming of the place. H have you heard that? 
Have you heard any of that? Is it the wind? I've never That's heard fantastic. it. That's fantastic. But in terms of Bible readers know on occasion the winds would get, would stir up in the Sea of Galilee and create problems for there in the vessels. And when you look at the mountains around it, you can see where the winds would sweep through. That's great. As the winds stir up the Sea of Galilee, may the words of David's psalms and the beautiful songs that he wrote stir within your heart. He was a powerful warrior and he penned many songs that we still sing today. We'll be right back. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. Arise, walk through the land, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Worship in the shadows of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Behold the land of the covenant. When the doors to Israel are open, we go, we have wonderful tour buses, hotels, adventures, messianic guides, go with us, levitt.com for more information. Our good friend Chaim Mailspin is in Israel right now. We take you there. this here in Israel in Hebrew, of course, instead of the chorus being We sing Kadosh. Let's sing it together. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. which means holy. That's what they sing in heaven, day and night. Holy, holy, holy. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. been a Bible professor for decades in your world of academia, much is about the head, head knowledge. And today we see that David had much heart knowledge, didn't he? Yeah. You know, sometimes I get letters at the program, oh, he's too intellectual and stuffy. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you know, but I've been, a, I've, I've loved teaching young people, you know, preparing them for life as, an, as a professor and then opening up the biblical world. I love opening it up for you on TV. Thank you. I'll confess, I've had to Google a couple words that you've said on the program. I'm not <laughs> sure to. what they are, but. Someone asked me why I use big words. It says it creates the illusion that I know what I'm talking <laughs> right. about. Very important. 
but you're a worship leader. We've talked about David's songs and psalms, and there's something about the music that soothes the soul. Yes, indeed. And I got news for you. No one's going to be singing my lectures. They're going to be singing mm. your songs. That's good. I can't believe we just have one more program in this series. It's gone by way too fast, but it's time to end. We always leave you with this. We'll see you next week. Till then, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This has been a paid program brought to you by Zola Levitt Ministries.